You know what? I always thought it would be like the perfect combination when it comes to real estate investing to have a background in construction, to really understand how deals work from the inside out, and to be a real estate investor on top of that, and maybe even be able to poke around in the MLS looking for those hot deals before they even hit the market. Well, today's guest, Dustin Racine, zooming in from beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, has done all of that. Dustin is a very experienced contractor. He's an experienced investor. He's done lots of flips and other kind of properties. He's worked with tons of real estate investors as a contractor, helping them put in legal basement suites. And more recently, he's also started as a real estate agent, as a realtor. So Dustin, welcome to the call. Great to have you here, my friend. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit about the Dustin Racine story. Oh, and everybody say hi to Bryce. Bryce is my co-host with the most. Mm -hmm. He brings the good looks to the screen for us. And here we go. All right. So Dustin, tell us a little bit about your backstory and you know how you got interest in real estate investing. Did you start out as a contractor first or investing first? How did that go? Yeah. So I always want to get into real estate. And even when I was 18, I went and met with a broker at an office in Edmonton, yeah. uh, thinking about getting into the game at that time. And I got to give the guy credit because he said, it's going to be tough sledding. You're a young guy. People within your sphere of influence typically aren't buying homes at, at this time. And he told me flat out, like 80% of agents fail in their first year and people probably aren't going to take you serious. So I thought, okay, well, good to know. I'll, I'll hold off on that pipe dream and go do something else. So um, I ended up initially, I became a plumber at first, got my uh, my journeyman ticket. Yeah. And then I opened uh, my own company in 2011. It was called Built with Pride Construction. And I always knew I wanted to get into the building, renovating, contracting, so I kind of left it open. Um, and then it was actually my third general contracting job was for a realtor, and he was doing a legal basement suite. And, so a realtor um, slash investor. Correct, yeah, Got yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he reached out to me, found me on Google. Uh, we met up. I didn't make much on that job, if anything. I bid it way too low, but it was a great learning experience. You learned something. Yeah, yeah I learned something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I got to talking with him and uh, I said, you know, how did you get into investing? When did you start? Um, he started telling me about Burr, which I had never heard at that time, the Burr strategy and yeah. told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So kind of dove into some books and I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And then I was asking him, how did it go on the reappraisal? And he said, great, I got, got all my money back. I said, what do you mean? So, yeah, he reappraised it 80% LTV. And even with paying me, he was still able to pull all his equity out. So I went and picked so up. So that, that reaffirmed that you didn't charge it off. Is that what I'm hearing? That's, that's exactly. <laughs> I should have known when he asked me how much and I gave him the number and his eyes went as big as saucers. I thought, oh, man, I think I... Uh, I said way too much. I should have waited, got home and ran all the numbers. And then I didn't want to go back on my word. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm doing it for what we agreed to verbally. Yeah. Um, but still, it was a good learning experience. And actually, he gave me an accountant's number and he's still my accountant to this day. And he's he's a great well, accountant. Plus, he just sparked your whole interest in real estate investing. So that's huge, huge value right there. Yeah. And you got to see that deal from the inside out. You saw mm -hmm. the the fruits of your of your hard labors. 
mm-hmm. he benefited more than you did, but you learned a very <laughs> valuable lesson. So that's that's not bad. Strangely enough, I ran into him about three weeks ago. We're at a creative financing seminar. And I hadn't seen this guy in about 10 years. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All right. So then, so you went from there and then how did you, what was your first revenue property deal? Yeah. So my first revenue property was, is actually a self-build. Um, so short story long, my wife and I, we bought a house in Beverly. I was 21. She was 19. So not, not the best area, but it was a start. Mm-hmm. We were just young and it was in 06, right before things went crazy. Spring of 06. So we kicked that house loose, uh, made about 80K, kicked it loose in 2010. Um, and at that time when we owned it, we refied and we bought um, an acreage, just a lot out by Gibbons for, for those are, who are familiar with the area. It's about 35 minutes north of Edmonton. Okay. Um, so there's an acreage just north of Gibbons, um, sold the house in Beverly. Um, and then we you know paid out the mortgage and then we owned the land outright out by Gibbons. So went and talked to ATB, got a loan, had some cash on the side and went and built an acreage. We were, I was 25 at the time. So um, yeah, built a, it was a nice house, did that. Um, ended up another lot just down the road, went on sale a few years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got that one and it was, it was beautiful. It had a, well, we call it a lake view in Alberta, BC. It's probably more of a slough, but here we call it a lake. <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah, we picked that lot up for, I believe it's 55K and did it all over again. Build another uh, another uh, self-build. Talk yeah. to ATG, they hooked us up. They'll do 75% loan to value. Nobody else would. Um, so went with them and did it all over again. And then- So did you keep I, the first acreage or did you sell it? Did you rent it? What'd you do with it? Yeah, we rented it for the time being. Eventually we did have to sell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we kept it for about a year and rented it out. And then, yeah, meanwhile, while this was all going on, um, my capital was deployed in in that second acreage in the self-build, but I wanted to start doing these burr projects. So mm-hmm. I approached a, a friend of mine. He had some money and stuff. And, you know, I said, why don't we go do, you know, find your typical 1960s thousand square foot bungalow and we'll put a legal suite in it and then we'll we'll kick it loose and sell it. And we met for coffee a couple of times and then eventually he warmed up to the idea did a little case study, told him what we can buy it for, what we can sell it for. And so we did that. He was the money partner. I was the working partner. Yeah. And uh, we did well, sold it, made some money, and then did another JV in, in St. Albert. That one was just a regular flip, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And kicked that yeah, That loose. first one's like the uh, Edmonton special. Find a 1960s build, throw a basement suite in it, sell it. I love Edmonton. It's great like that. Well, I, I'd love it even more if he kept it. <laughs> right well, we, exactly that's the thing guys i tell you what right? if you had kept that mm-hmm. sucker you know 15 20 years it'd be all paid off and yeah anyhow that's that's exactly. the guy's perspective but go ahead no i agree with you i wanted to keep it too but he he had his capital in it i had my time in it so he want to get his capital out but I, i'm with you yeah. i think it would have been better off keeping it long term without a doubt yeah okay so we were talking a little bit off camera before we pressed go here, Dustin, that that real estate's been an interesting journey for you, like everyone. And one of your pet peeves is a lot of times people come on shows and just talk about the, the upside, the good stuff, mm-hmm. and they don't share some of the quote unquote, air quotes, learning experiences that they've had. So tell mm-hmm. us a, a few of the big lessons that you've learned from over the years. 
Sure, sure. Yeah. So I've I've learned one thing is you have to stick to what works for you. Have your your punch list. Yeah. Um. So like, what I typically do is no unless you're doing infill. That's another story. But as far as flipping goes, I don't like corner lots. I don't like single garages. I don't like busy roads. Um. I know it's easy to say those things, but sometimes when there's a deal staring you in the face, you tend to kind of push the envelope and try to make the numbers work. Yeah. Um, and you gotta, you gotta think about it from a buyer's perspective, your end buyer. What are the negatives? Is the yard too small? Is there a bus route? Um, you know, everybody needs a double garage. So now I've gotten to the point now it's like, hey, so sorry, this- question about the corner lot. Why, why do you not like corner lots? I'm just, that's well, an onsite I'm- warning sign. Right. But the question I guess was, I'm sure everyone at home is like, okay, you're talking about the downsides. You made a list for us. Which one did you step in? Yeah. <laughs> Which one did yeah, you step a couple, in? A couple. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell so me about had- the corner lot thing. I'm curious about that. What's the, yeah, what's yeah. the- you bet. So I, I had a flip here a couple of years ago in Fulton place. Uh, I was when things were, were going good near the tail end of COVID. And um, yeah, it was a corner lot. I should preference this by saying, yeah, if you're doing, if you got a 50 by 150 corner lot and you're doing infill, mint, you can't beat it. Everybody wants those. And if you have a, a house that's kind of traditionally plotted on a corner lot where it's in the middle and you have a front yard and a backyard, that's great. This one was flipped 90 degrees. So you go out the back entrance and the fence is about five feet away, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. that bit me in a few ways. Number one, there there was a side yard. We built a chain link fence uh, to make sure there's usable yard space. But nonetheless, there wasn't really a backyard. And then for people, it's way more sidewalk to shovel in the winter too. Oh, huge. I lived in that house in Transcona here in Winnipeg. It was like I had two yards, but neither of them were the front and the back. And I couldn't keep the kids from jumping the fence because it's a four footer all the way around. Like the, the corner lot is a tricky thing unless the house is placed traditionally because mine was placed at an angle so you look out the front door and five feet there's your front fence yeah it's crazy exactly yeah that's exactly it right and it's funny because some people like in the newer neighborhoods the corner lots they did traditionally plot the houses so it's not a big of an issue yeah you still got a bunch of sidewalk to shovel but people with like 16 18 year old kids both kids are driving both parents are driving they're like oh this is great we got room for four vehicles along the side of the house and a couple in the driveway. So it's every situation is different, but right. Yeah. The it way depends that on what the end up. use of the property is right. Dustin. Yes, that's, that's absolutely. Got yeah. It. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So we ended up, um, I took a bath on that one. It's the only flip I lost money on, but yeah, I lost 30 K it hurt. Um, yeah. the other issue was the exterior. It was stucco. It was a little rough. And normally I would just do the front, maybe do like, you know, vinyl siding or some vertical board and batten siding on the face and then paint the stucco the rest of the way around. Well, this one being as it's a corner lot and you can see the side of the house from the road, I'm like, well, now I got to do all the siding. So siding, soffit, fascia, eaves. Um, and again, it only had a single garage too. So that was a lesson learned. So I'm like, okay, hey, from now on, and I see it all the time with, uh, with flippers, right? You, you get tantalized by this deal because the buy-in price is so low, but you're going to lose that when you go to sell it and you got to reduce a time or two because nobody wants to be on a busy road. You know, everybody wants usable yard space. So got to kind of in mind. Good good lessons there. I think you said you had a a lesson about joint venture partners as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a JV with um, my electrician at the time and he had been asking me for at least a year, let's do a JV, let's do a JV. 
So finally I said, okay, let's do it. Um, didn't get a JV contract, which is rule number one, right? Everyone listening is probably like, well, yeah. Um, but I trusted this guy. He trusted me. And I said to him flat out, um, you know, my only fear is that we're going to get in this house and I'm going to end up doing all the work. I'm going to run the job, call the trades, hire everybody, bring the material to the site, right? And you're just going to do the electrical. Oh, no, no, I'll be there. I'll be there on weekends. I'll help you. Whenever you need me, you let me know. Said, okay, sounds good. And he's a single guy. No kids. He's got time. I said, Kate, let's do it. And, uh, man, that guy was like a ghost. <laughs> I, was, you, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm going to call RCMP, put a missing person report. But, like, where is this guy? And did even, he get like, the electrical my, done? he did, but he got his – he didn't do it. <laughs> his employees did uh... because we were going 50-50 on all the costs. So he's probably thinking, why am I going to be there? I, I can so be he, So he was padding the bill with his own employees yeah. to get paid for doing. Now, did he come up with some of the cash to buy the place at least? Yeah. Yeah. We were 50 yeah. 50 on the money. Yeah. And uh, we we're supposed to be 50 50 working partners too, but yeah. that didn't happen. Ooh. So, all right. Did you, so, was it that was a flip though, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, when the smoke cleared, did you? come out okay at least yeah we made some money yeah i had a bitter taste in my mouth but we made some money yeah Yeah. so big lesson learned contract for joint ventures maybe avoid doing joint ventures with other active partners and just just bring on passive more of a passive joint venture partner anything else that kind of stuck out at yeah, I think that's the cleaner way. And then also making sure that you have opposing skill sets, right? They can make up for your shortfalls and vice versa. I like that. Yeah, their yeah. opposing skill set being they got the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your opposing skill set being you got the deal of the and the the know how of the team. Combine yeah. those together. That's that's definitely a much cleaner kind of a situation for sure. Awesome, Dustin. So now more recently, you've got into the realtor business what made you decide that you wanted to go that route? Mostly working for three months, doing, putting in the capital, doing all the work and then having the realtor show up, make 15 grand on the sale. <laughs> yeah. You can put your sign on the front of the house and let the other. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause money. some of these deals, especially when you lost money on the only one that only person that made any money was the realtor. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm using them on both sides. If I buy with them, I'm selling with them. Um, yeah, so to rewind a little bit, so I had a client, this was a few years ago, um, he reached out and him and his realtor at the time were looking at potential properties to suite. He was going to live in it, do the birthing. So we went and looked at a couple, square footage was too small, houses were too old. So I asked his agent, I said, I don't want to step on any toes, but do you mind if I send a few properties to Adam and uh, see what happened? He said, yeah, sure. So I went home, went on realtor.ca pulled three properties that I thought were good candidates and he ended up buying the first one I sent him. Um, so I was like, huh, this real estate thing. I'm like, I think I can do this. And did you at least get a little kickback for the realtor for nothing? Nothing. See, that's no. another lesson learned. That's the conversation you should have had up front with the realtor, but Hey, lessons learned. Yeah. yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, I mean, I think about all the transactions I've done with realtors over the years yeah. And I've only ever gotten, I got a gift card in the mail once from one realtor. Yeah. And I, I thought yeah, to myself, hundred dollar bills here and there. Yeah. Here's thanks for your time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, but I, I take it in stride too. And it's not so much the dollar amount as the principal. 
Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to show people I appreciate their business. I appreciate them trusting me. Um, so I'm always getting housewarm and give gift baskets. I got, there's a Edmontonopoly. I went and bought up, bought like six Edmontonopolies. I had to like call all over to find them. Walmart was sold out, but I got them. So I'm like, these are mint, especially if someone's moving from out of town or out of province. Yeah. Um, and then even like, we call it the lifetime referral program. I try to just keep in touch. Um, I've got a spreadsheet with everybody's birthdays, so I'll send them out a gift card and just say, you know, it's and more so, yeah, it's just the principle that you're thinking of them and, you know, that's, and showing appreciation. It goes both ways. So you gotta, you gotta look after each other. So where, where does this fit into your real estate entrepreneur business model, Dustin, where, yeah. like, are you still running the construction side of things? Are you still doing flips? Are you doing all three? What, what, what's going on? Yeah. I shut the construction company down. Mm. Um, so that's, that's not going anymore, but yeah, I am still doing flips. Um, it's nice cause I don't have to force it. Like mm-hmm. before I had a couple employees, I was almost like, the, over, hey, I need the to get- overheads gets out of control easily. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you're always looking for that next deal and I got to keep the guys busy. I got to keep my trades going. Like there were times we had five or six suites on the go. Um, cause I was working for some investors too, doing suites for them. So it, it was a lot to manage, a lot to handle. And I think eventually it was just taking its toll and I was stressed out and stuff. And I thought, you know what, this real estate, I've been wanting to do this for a long time since I was like 18. Yeah. Now's the time. So I just, yeah, pulled the plug on construction. I put all my, not all my tools, but most of them up on like Facebook marketplace and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Hey, there's no turning back. It's sink or swim now. Right. Burn the, burn ships. the boats. Yeah. Burn yeah. the boats. Yeah. But it's been good. I'm, I'm still in my first year. Um, well, I got licensed in October. So yeah, basically it's been a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was still working, doing suites at that time. I didn't go full time till January and yeah, things are going good. I'm, I'm at EXP, um, capped out on my commission there. Um, so things are going great. I'm hoping to do 20 deals. I'm on pace for 20 this year, which nice. I wasn't trying to gauge it. I asked my kind of mentor, I said, is, is that good? Like what's the average agent do their first year? And he said, oh, five to six. I said, okay, sweet. Uh, I'll take it. He's being, he's being generous. If you know, if once you're in the business, you'll realize like it's typically 10% of the agents are doing like 80% of the business. So if you're on pace, good for you, man. It's not an easy business. Well, I, 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 yeah, Dustin, I think you're already ahead of it. Like you look at the stats, you're already ahead of literally 80% of all agents mm-hmm. by far right, in your first year. So you're, you're doing something right there. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And if you're, spe- especially if you're kind of focusing on the investor clients, because mm-hmm. you can talk their language, you know exactly what they're looking for. You can provide, you know, the gifts and all that stuff is great, but the real value you also bring to the table is helping them not get screwed over by contractors mm-hmm. because you understand that business. So if if you're able to package yourself as that guy instead of the just the generic realtor if you can focus on those high volume clients that are buying tons of deals instead of the one-off mom and pop home buyer that buy a house every seven to ten years that's that's where the magic really is there dustin because you bring so much more to the table than any other realtor possibly could Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too is building trust like ensuring that you have their best interests at heart yeah. Not just about making a sale. Like 
I had a place the other day I showed to uh, one of my clients. He's a flipper. Mm-hmm. And we were out in um, Meadowlark. And there was this horizontal crack. It was a structural crack, right? Um, so I reached out to the agent. We leave feedback, right? Mm-hmm. At least we try to. And I just said in uh, in the remarks that, you know, we were, it looked good. The spread was good. But the shape of the garage slab and that huge horizontal crack was was a deal breaker for us. We couldn't make the numbers work. He said, well, what do you mean? That's only $1,900 to fix. You just epoxy fill it. It's not structural. Man, I'm like, it's not my first rodeo, man. Like, come on. Like, you need an engineered uh, wall. You got to get an engineer in there. I mean, we can only see half the wall. It was the laundry room. And then it went behind. On the other side was a bar. The stairs and the finished basement wall. Yeah. Yeah. It had that beautiful wood paneling. But I'm sure that thing spanned from wall to wall along the whole side of that house. So it it would have been probably eight, 10 grand to fix that properly. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you become known as the, the, the no BS investor focused realtor, right? You tell it as it is. If that means you, you risk losing a sale to save your client, mm-hmm. that's what you're willing to do, right? If that's the trust, that's, that's the message it kind of needs to get through. And I think you could quite easily package it that way for sure. Dustin, Awesome, my friend. Well, hey, time flies. If people want to connect with Dustin Racine, find out more, especially if they're in the Edmonton area and looking at doing, buying properties, what can they do? What, where can they get all of you? Yeah, so you can give me a call on my cell, 780-233-4713, or they can check out dustinrealty.ca. Got some cool stuff on there. Uh, it's linked up with MLS, so you can search up any properties in and around the Edmonton area testimonials youtube videos podcast appearances all that good stuff and yeah facebook instagram just uh i'm on instagram at dustin realty and facebook just dustin Racine. all right so yeah good work my friend congratulations on a, a rock and roll first year in the realtor biz uh, which wish you much continued success thank you very much i appreciate it thanks for having me on All right. Our pleasure, Bryce. Thanks, as always, for being the co-host with the most, buddy. All right, everybody. Take care and talk to you soon.